Are you hesitating to take the next step in your e-commerce journey? Founder Plus has you covered with proven frameworks tailored to your business needs for fast results, a supportive community of over 30,000 like-minded entrepreneurs and weekly live mentorship sessions. Founder Plus is your key to success. Try Founder Plus today for just $1 for seven days and start building your dream business with confidence. You can visit founder.com forward slash start dollar trial or click the link in the description to claim your trial. This is episode number 25 of the Founder Podcast with Derek Halpern. What you need is thirst. You need to be a thirsty human who is intent on learning. It's a really fascinating, fascinating exploration of human potential. Now. Now. now, the Founder Podcast. Even the greatest entrepreneurs had help. If you want to learn from the most successful founders on the planet, you are in the right place. Branson, Mark Cuban, Tony Robbins, Tim Ferriss, Ariana Huffington, Ghost, Steve Case, Gary V, Sophia Amorosa, Robert Corcoran, Damon John. Learn from the greatest minds in business today with interviews hosted by Nathan Chan. This is not your average entrepreneur podcast. The Founder Podcast. Hey guys, thank you so much for tuning in. Before we start today's episode, I just want to let you know that our goal at Founder is to help entrepreneurs succeed however we can by giving away high quality content in the form of interviews, blog posts, podcasts, YouTube videos, you name it. We put out so much content to help you. And another interesting project that we're working on right now is partnering with world-class founders like Damon John, Alexa Von Tobel, Greta Van Riel, and so many more to teach crucial skills like negotiation, finance, e-commerce, and so much more. So if you'd like to get access to these free trainings with founders like this, which is 100% free, just go to founder.com forward slash free. Okay, so now let's talk about today's episode. Hey guys, welcome to the Founder Podcast. My name is Nathan Chan and I am your host speaking with you from Melbourne, Australia. It's uh, really nice and sunny over here, so I'm really enjoying this sunny weather. I've been really inundated with emails at the moment. It's pretty crazy. I'm working on a lot of things and I'm running this feedback loop and I'm hearing from so many of you guys and it's it's awesome. It's it's a quality problem to have because I'm finding out, you know, what you guys are struggling with, where we can further help you, and we're going to be launching a whole ton more of products and we're working on a whole ton of other projects and I've just been yeah, just really had a lot on my plate, but uh it's awesome. I I still love to hear from you. I write back to every single email. I'm here to help, so please do send me an email. You know, I'd love to hear from you. My email is nathan at foundermag.com. About today's guest, his name is Derek Halpern, and he's the founder of Social Triggers. It's uh, a very, very well-known site in the uh, online marketing and online entrepreneurial kind of market. Derek is just a, a psychology conversion marketing guru. And he shares a ton of gold with us around the importance of why you need to build your email list, how to price your products and services. We talk about all sorts of things around, you know, the psychology behind buying and why people buy from you and the importance of content and why he believes content isn't king and 
one thing that he said to me that really stuck out was I said to him, there's a psychological barrier, in my opinion, between someone buying a physical product and a digital product. He disagrees with me. And I said, why is that? And he said, well, if there's plenty of people out there selling a ton of digital products, there's no reason others can't do it too. So that's your answer. And that sat with me ever since. You know, I did this interview at least nine, ten months ago, and that's really sat with me ever since because it's so often that we give ourselves these limiting beliefs and we compare ourselves to others. But at the end of the day, like, you know, if your competitor in, in your marketplace is, is doing ten times better than you, well, there's no reason you can't. And, uh, yeah, look, I just thought I'd share that with you. So, yeah, really excited to bring this episode to you. If you are loving the show, please leave us a five-star review. You can check out the show notes at foundermag.com. And please check out the magazine. If you are loving these interviews, I'm sure you will enjoy the magazine. Now let's jump into the show. Today I'm speaking with Derek Halpern. Derek Halpern is the founder of Social Triggers, a blog that teaches how psychology and neuroscience can improve online marketing efforts. So Derek, I just wanted to say thank you for taking the time, man. I'm a massive fan of your work. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm pumped to be here. Awesome. And I'm pumped to be speaking with you, man. So I just wanted to start out with getting a little bit of a rundown on how you got your job and how did you find yourself doing the work you're doing today? That's always a very interesting question for one reason, because I got started building online businesses and specifically content-based businesses back in about 2005. I was still in college and I was looking for a way to build my own business because I didn't want to get a job like a lot of people who were just about to graduate from college. When I first did it, I launched my first website. It was an entertainment site, and it was a huge failure. And then I started to realize something. Building a business is what people do when they don't want to get a job, but they actually work harder than working at a job. That's like my first realization, right? I went back, went back and launched a brand new website, another entertainment website, mm -hmm. and that website took off. By the time 2006 hit, I finished up my college degree and I was ready to graduate with a blog that was getting enough traffic to make enough ad revenue that I didn't need to actually work. Once I graduated 2006, 2007, I put this blog into high gear. Mm -hmm. By February 2007, that blog did several million people in one month. And I remember I earned like $23,000 in 28 days. Or maybe that was a leap year and it was 29 days. I don't remember. Whatever. It was like over $20,000 in one single month from blog advertising. And that was my first little hint that I could build a web-based business by getting people to visit my website and then trying to get them to do something, whether it's to click ads or to buy things. So that was kind of how I got into it, right? Now, how did I get into social influence and psychology and neuroscience, which is what I talk about today? Well, I rode that ad market wave to the top. When I got in, I was making a lot of money on advertising. However, ad rates started to tank. They went from getting, you know, like $10 per thousand to 10 cents per thousand. So the ad rates started to tank and I started thinking like, oh my God, I'm getting all this traffic, but I'm making 10% on 
of what I was making just a few months ago. What do I do? That's when I came into the idea that, all right, maybe I won't sell ads. Maybe this time around, I'll sell products or I'll get these people who are visiting my site. I'll try and get them to buy something. I'll try to turn this from a magazine business into a business that actually sells something. Now, it didn't work with the website that I had built at that time because that was an entertainment site. It was a blog, celebrity gossip. I wasn't selling these people anything. I mean, aside from like teeth whitening affiliate programs or something like that, right? So it was very hard to sell these people. That's when I realized I wanted to start writing a blog about something that mattered, not just about making fun of celebrities. I wanted to help people achieve their goals. When I started doing that, I actually launched a self-help blog in 2008. And this self-help blog was all about, you know, it was kind of the things I was interested in. And I wanted to learn how to become better at the things I was doing, how to be more productive, wake up earlier, read more books, et cetera. Mm. And I realized that when you build that kind of audience, those people want to buy things because you're helping them. Now, I actually killed that self-help blog. And I didn't launch social triggers up until about, March 2011, but that's kind of the genesis of how I got into doing what I'm doing. And that's really interesting. And there's there's a few things I'd like to unpack there. And um, yep. the first is you said that your your entertainment site was the price of ads getting paid for for moving people from an ad click was getting less and less. One thing. One of my friends recently talks about Yarrow Starak is he finds that it's it's a lot more lucrative to sell your own products because you cannot always rely on advertisers. So yep. he, he highly recommends to start selling your own products. Why do you say that too in the sense that people are more likely to buy from you? Yeah, because you're getting a different kind of audience. When you're getting an audience of people who are only reading your stuff because you're making fun of somebody else, those people aren't there for product recommendations. Those people are there to make fun of other people. Well, there's no transaction that happens when you make fun of other people. So you can't really sell them anything. However, when you write, when you start running a blog or let's say you're a startup, right? And you're trying to get users for your software, but let's say you launch a blog for your startup. If you start giving people advice that helps them, they're going to be coming to your blog because they want to get better. And guess what? People will pay to get better, whether they buy your software or whether you, they buy an information product. doesn't matter what you're selling. It's a different type of mindset. Hmm, I see. Does so, that make sense? Yeah, 100%. So how do you go about selling your products? So now it's a whole different, I mean, that's a whole different model. Now that I am in this world of social triggers where I'm helping people get more traffic, more users, more people to actually convert and that sort of thing. Now that I have that, I then try and develop products, specifically information products and software products that help people do exactly what my blog helps them do for free, but more efficiently without wasting time. So when I eventually do sell a product to my readership, it's a natural progression. They're already there to learn about this. Here's a way to get this faster. Make sense? Now, of course, there's like the different how to actually sell it, and there's different tactics for doing that, but I'm creating an environment 
that promotes the idea of selling and buying products. I see. Let's talk about the psychology around getting someone to buy something because that yeah. is what you you teach very well at your blog. Like one thing that I I personally learned from you was in regards to the colors and having your call to action items a different color that that stands out. How do you go about getting people to buy something from you and the psychology behind it because you're a very good marketer. Yeah, so let's just let's just crush that myth right now for one second. The color of your button isn't going to persuade people to buy. And I did do a video about what's the best color for conversions, and I talk about this idea of action colors versus passive colors. And if you want more people to click a button, you want that button to be a different color because it stands out from everything else. But that's not going to get people to buy. The button color isn't going to lead to the sale. It starts before that. Hmm. What do I mean by before that? Well, if you want people to buy what you're selling, you've got to make sure you're getting the right people to begin with. Because there is such a thing as the wrong people. Let me explain. Let's say you're a wedding photographer and you are running a blog and you're hoping to attract clients as a wedding photographer with your blog. Well, what could you write about? Maybe you'll write about 10 ways to pick an engagement ring. And on the surface, that might make sense, right? Like if someone's looking for an engagement ring, chances are they're going to be getting married soon, right? Unfortunately, the length of time between buying the engagement ring and the marriage is a huge length of time. They might not even remember reading that article on your site by the time they're ready to hire a wedding photographer. So you're getting the wrong people. They're at the wrong stage of the business in your business cycle. However, let's say you're a wedding photographer. Maybe you write an article like, here's what I learned about wedding food after shooting more than 100 weddings. Now you have people who are looking for wedding food, which if you're looking for wedding food or wedding catering, you're probably right around the same time about considering to hire a wedding photographer as well. Mm-hmm. Now you're getting the right people. They're ready These to people are the people who want to hire you. So is it about the button color? No, it's about making sure you're getting the right people first. Another example of getting the right people is I was speaking at a conference. There's a few hundred people in the audience and I'm giving my presentation. Someone shot their hand up and they said, Derek, I'm having a problem converting my readers into buyers. What am I doing wrong? And she explained what she was doing. What she ended up doing was she had an email list Mm -hmm. that she was building by giving away an ebook about seven ways to have a happy marriage. That was like the ebook that she was giving away. Here's the thing. She was a coach. She was a coach that specifically focused on helping people recover after a divorce. If you're giving away an ebook about helping people have a happy marriage, and you are someone that's selling something about how to recover from a divorce, do you think those people are going to want to pay you? No, they're trying to work on their marriage, and that's okay. You're trying to help those people. I'm all for helping those people. But if you're in the business of helping people recover from a divorce, you're giving away the wrong thing. And I know this kind of sounds dark, but I told her point blank. 
I was like, you are a coach that helps people to recover from divorce. You could write an ebook about seven ways to find out if your husband is cheating on you. <laughs> and I know this is dark, right? But if someone is looking for something about whether or not their husband is cheating on them, chances are a divorce is in the cards, right? Yeah. Now you're attracting the right people. Now, again, I know this sounds very dark and I'm talking about all this weird stuff. I'm just trying to paint this picture that shows you that you can get the wrong people or the right people. You can change the button colors all you want on the wrong people. It's never going to increase your sales conversion. Maybe you can eke out a few percentage points with button colors and, or whatever if you're targeting the right people, though. So how do you get people to buy? It starts with attracting the right people first. I see. Can you take us through like a short process on how you get people to buy your stuff in terms of a funnel? Yeah, so you want to get a little bit more specific, and you want yeah. the tactical juice, yeah. and I totally get that. Now, what goes through people's heads when they buy something, right? First, they got to want what you're selling, which is why you want to attract the right people first, right? Then, after you attract the right people, there's a few questions that go on in their head. One question is, should I buy this from you? If you're attracting the right people, you know they want to buy what you're selling. But the question is, should they buy it from you or should they buy it from someone else? So when you're trying to plan this funnel or this funnel for conversion, when you attract the right people, after you get them in the funnel, the next goal is to show them why they should buy from you and not the other guy. Now, this is very soft. This is not like do this, get a sale. However, this is one of the most important parts of the sales process. Once you have the right people, they want to know why they should buy from you. How do you convince them to do that? You've got to really nail down what they call your unique selling proposition, the thing that makes you uniquely you and different from everybody else. So to put this in an example, social triggers. There's a lot of people out there who talk about marketing or building business. There was thousands of people who were doing just that when I started. However, people came to me for one reason. When they got there, I attracted the right people. Now the next question was, is why you? Well, why me is because I quote academic research and real life studies, whereas other people are talking about opinion and theory. And that was my unique selling proposition, and that's why people read me. So that's step two in the sales process. Get the right people. Step two is understand what makes you uniquely you and make sure the people believe it. The third part of the sales process is to ask people to buy what you're selling. This is very, very rare in the startup space. For whatever reason, people in the startup space, like these hacker news types, they hate marketers and they hate salesmen. They hate them because they say the product should be so good it sells itself. Well, I've got news for you. Nothing sells itself if you don't ask for the sale. And that's the third part of the process is actually asking people to commit. Get the right people. Show them why you're so good. Show off your product. The third part is ask them to commit right now. And that's how you can get people to convert. And when you're looking at this from a funnel perspective, each one of these processes could be one part of the funnel. Like 
people come to your email list, funnel part one is giving away the free ebook, which is attracting the right people. Part two could be just walking through some of the benefits and some of the reasons why you guys are so great. This could be a second email. The third email could be, hey, now you know why we're so good. Why don't you buy us? Three-part email funnel. Done. Hmm, love it. I have a question, man, and that's around the why. When, when you sell something, do you communicate your why like Simon Sinek describes? You do, right? There's, there's the big picture, right? There's a, let me give you an example. My friend Vani runs a, a website called The Food Babe, and her, her website's all about helping people make the right decisions with their food. Does she communicate her why, which is help people make the right decisions with their food? Of course she's going to communicate their why. You want to talk about your why all the time because this is something that helps you recruit more of the right people. Right? Maybe you're not just going to be giving away an ebook, but if you have a good why that people can back up, this is going to be a way for you to recruit more people around your why. So your why helps you get the right people in the door, but the next part of it is to make sure you're actually asking them to buy what you're selling. So yes, communicating your why can help, but don't think that communicating your why is the only thing you need to do. That's awesome, man. Uh, you really broke it down nicely. I, I love that. Well, let's talk about email and building your list. I know that's something that's really important to you. Why is that? Well, because I hate social media. And I don't hate social media because I'm one of these people who has an irrational hate for it. Yeah. I hate it because it doesn't drive results. Mm. Right? Here's the bottom line. Facebook, Facebook pages, Twitter pages, whatever. These are platforms where you can build your audience that you don't currently have access to. Facebook can change their algorithm and make your reach go from, you know, 20% to 2% overnight. And they did. And you're going to see you lose out on access to all of your customers. Twitter might do the same. I don't know if Twitter will do it, but they could do it if they wanted to because it's their platform. However, when you build an email list, you own that database of names. If your email service provider that you use to mail out screws you, you could take your email list and put it somewhere else. You can't just take your Facebook fans and turn them into Twitter followers. You're stuck with an email list. You've got those names. They're yours. Now, here's the thing. It also converts better. If I send an email out to 40,000 people, it won't be uncommon for me to send 4,000 clicks to a website. If I update my Twitter profile with a link, to 40,000 people, I might get 20 hits. Actually, just earlier today, I sent out a Twitter link to my 47,000 Twitter followers, and I got 63 clicks on that link. I then sent out an email to a similar number of email subscribers, mm -hmm. and I had like 6,000 clicks on that link. Wow. You see? So I build email lists because that's where people respond. And I always like to say, to get a Twitter account, Facebook account, you still need an email address, right? <laughs> you know why? Because even they know the power of email. This is why you have websites like LinkedIn and Twitter and all these people always emailing you about new stuff that's happening on their social media because they know that's where people respond. Make sense? Yeah, 100%. So how do you teach people to build their email list? What's some good stuff that you would recommend to people to build their email list? Like, I know when I go to your site, Everywhere you're asking for people to opt in. Yeah. You know why? 
know how you build your email list? Yeah. By being aggressive about it. You can't just bury an opt-in form at the bottom of your page and expect people to find it. If you go to socialtriggers.com right now, you'll see this big email sign-up box at the top. You'll see another sign-up box in the sidebar. You'll also see one at the bottom of the blog. You'll see a link to free updates in the navigation. You'll see email forms everywhere. But you want to know what's funny? I had someone email me one time. They're like, hey, Derek, I don't know how to get on your email list. And I was like, what? I've got forms everywhere. Now, why is that? Well, in psychology, there's something known as inattention blindness. There was a whole book written about it called The Invisible Gorilla. Long story short, when people visit your site to read content, they're having tunnel vision on your content. They don't see anything else but your content because they're not looking for anything else. They're looking for your content. And that's what they found with this invisible gorilla. They basically ran a research experiment. They told people to count how many times this basketball team would pass the ball, right? While they were counting it, like a minute into the video, some dude in a gorilla suit would like walk past the screen, stare at the camera, and then walk off the screen. Afterwards, when they asked, did you notice anything weird while you were counting those passes? And about half of those people didn't even notice the gorilla. Seriously, half the people didn't see the gorilla. You know why? Because they were focused on counting the passes. So when people come to your site and they're focused on reading your content, they're not looking for anything else, which is how they miss your email sign-up form. So if you want people to get on your email list, make sure you're asking them to sign up in all different types of ways. Have a form at the top of the page. Have a form at the bottom of the page. Inside your content, mention the fact that you have an email list or a free ebook and link to it. Always try to promote the growth of your email list, and you will find that it will grow. Once you get people on the email list, that's when you can focus on turning these people into customers because you've got their name. Mm. But don't do it until after you get their name. Yeah, I see. And do you offer something if in return, like an ebook or something like that? What, what do you like to offer or recommend that people offer? It really just depends on what you're doing, right? So I have ebooks. I sometimes do free webinars. Sometimes I'll give a free video. It just, just depends. What I find is, it's not about any one thing that you give away. It's about changing that one thing regularly. Because when you change that one thing or you always offer new other things, people who previously wouldn't subscribe to you are now going to be tipped and they're finally going to subscribe. You see how that works? Yeah, yeah, I see. And when you said once you get them on the email list, that's how you turn them into customers. How often do you, do you push and get them to buy? You're not just always getting them to buy always. What, what's your theory of method behind that? How much do you give before you ask them to buy? Yeah, so that all depends, again, on what you're trying to sell. It all depends. Now, I don't think a lot of people build their email list, and they just hit them with pitches after pitches after pitches, yeah, buy right. my stuff, buy my stuff, buy my stuff. And you know what? That kind of works. However, I don't believe you should do that. Okay. Instead, what I think you should do at this point is once you get them on the email list, give them some value, build up that unique value proposition, build up some of that reciprocity, and then you can ask them to, to buy your stuff. What I tend to do is I tend to do about one promotion for a product per month. I see. So once you get on my emails, I do about one promotion per month. And I find when you keep it to one promotion a month or one promotion every six weeks. Then that'll give you ample time to build up your list for new people, deliver value, and also 
make sure that you're building a business, a real business. Like with social triggers right now, I've got employees, I've got staff, I got contractors. Sometimes I have as many 10 people working on my stuff. Wow. You obviously need to sell if you're trying to build a business, you, you need revenue. I'm not sitting here trying to raise a million dollars of VC money. I'm trying to build a real, scalable, growable business. And to do that, you need to ask people to buy stuff. Mm. Yeah, no, it's, it's a great point. Um, let's switch gears and talk about why you believe content isn't king. Something I, I've, I've been meaning to ask you yeah. to speed up this interview because right now everybody talks about content's king. It's a whole buzz thing, and you don't believe that. Can you tell me? Well, I, this is one of the most misquoted things that I've ever been misquoted on. Because I don't believe that content isn't king. What I said was content isn't king in the first 10 seconds of people visiting your website. That's because when people visit your website, before they even read the content, they're already forming a first impression based on how your site looks, based on what types of triggers are triggering their mind about whether they should trust you, not trust you. And some of the things I cited was when people stumbled on a site that was very overcrowded with content, too much stuff, mm. people were less likely to trust that website. That's one example of content isn't king because when people get there, before they even read your headline, they already know if they trust you or not. So content isn't king in the first few seconds. Afterwards, to keep them around, of course you need great content. However, you've got to first get past that few second hump. Okay, thank you for, for debunking that. Can you tell us a little bit about your 80-20 rule around blogging and, and creating content? Yes, absolutely. This is a great question, and I'll tell you why. Because a lot of people now think that content is king. Let me just throw as much great content on my blog as possible, and people will come to read my blog. But I have a question for you. Where are those people going to come from? You can write the next great American novel and put it on your blog. How are they going to know it's there if nobody's currently there, right? So I always tell people, if you're going to start trying to build a blog audience of people who you want eventually to buy whatever it is you're selling, you've got to create a piece of great content. Then you've got to take that content and get into the hands of more people, right? If you have a blog post that gets 1,000 visitors, chances are there's another million people who can benefit from that same blog post that you can still get to read it. So you could sit here and create another blog post that gets 1,000 visitors, another blog post that gets 1,000 visitors, and hope that these 1,000 people will share your stuff and hope that eventually you'll grow your audience nice and slowly and eventually maybe Google will start ranking you in search engines and maybe you'll finally get the readership you deserve. Or you can take a different approach. You can write that blog post that's really good, that gets a 1,000 visitors, and start to think, okay, there's a million other people out there who can, get, who can benefit from this content. Who are those people? Maybe those people are health coaches. Let me find out where health coaches live, and let me figure out how to get this in the hand of health coaches. Maybe you want to reach cons uh, web designers. All right, great. Let me find out where web designers hang out and let me try and figure out how to get this into the hands of more web designers. Maybe massage therapists can benefit from this. Let me find those people and get this into the hands of more massage therapists. Mm. I look at content like product. You don't want to keep creating more and more products as a startup entrepreneur 
as a way to get more visitors. You want to create one product that gets a million customers, right? That's how I look at content. And that's why I think once you start creating content, it's not about your content. It's about how you promote your content. I see. So on average, how many blog posts do you write a week or, or a month? All right. So for me, that's a different question. If you're just getting started and you don't have an audience like I did when I first started Social Triggers, I averaged about 2.5 blog posts per month, about two and a half. Most people say do it twice a week. I did it two per month. For me now, I average about one a week, but I'm in a different stage of my business than people who are just getting started. I've got more than 140,000 people who subscribe to Social Triggers. I've got those people who will help share my stuff with their friends. Mm -hmm. So I kind of don't have to promote as hard now because I've got over 100,000 people to do it for me. However, if you don't have that big list, if you don't have that large customer base, you have to do that promotion work, which is why you want to dial down how much content you create and spend more of your time promoting the content you already have. I see. It makes so much sense, and I, and I love it. There's another question I've been dying to ask you, me and my friend were talking about the other night, and, and that is when you buy a digital product, I think that there's a psychological barrier or hurdle me personally, that it, that it can be really hard to overcome as opposed to a physical product. What are your thoughts on that? So are you trying to say physical products have different barriers than digital products? Yeah, I think like me, me personally, when I, I always buy things on iTunes because I just know that that's something that I'm going to buy. But I think when you look at your average customer or your average person, if they were to look at a physical product versus a digital product, I think that there's a, some sort of hurdle that you as the seller ha face when you're trying to sell a digital product over a physical product. I think it's hard. Maybe. Maybe. I think if you believe it, it's true. I think if you don't believe it, it's not true. Of course, there are different barriers to entry with physical products and digital products. But the bottom line is if you're getting the right people to your website – it doesn't matter whether it's digital or, or tangible. It's the right person. They want to buy it. So I would ask people who are thinking that, oh, online marketing is not going to work for me because I have a physical product. You're lying to yourself. The bottom line is there's plenty of people who sell physical products online and they're succeeding. So you can sit here and think, oh, my life is so hard. I can't do this. Or you can say, you know what? There are people who are doing this. Let me go figure out how they're doing it. So I don't like to say that there's a difference in trying to sell it because I don't think there's a difference. Instead, it's just about how you approach it. And then once you approach it, you attract the right people. It's not going to be that hard to sell at all. So it's all about finding the right people, the stuff. Exactly. I see. I'm also curious about the way you instigate controversy on purpose. Can you tell me about that? I don't necessarily do it on purpose. Okay. Like, I'm not sitting here trying to be this guy that just disagrees with everybody. I don't try to do that. It just so happens, though, there's a lot of garbage that's being proliferated in the marketplace right now, and it's wrong. And I feel it's my duty as someone who helps teach business owners and entrepreneurs build businesses, it's my duty to try and correct these wrongs so that other people don't waste time and make mistakes and doing all this stuff that doesn't matter. 
So it's not like I'm trying to be controversial for the sake of being controversial. Okay. I do it because I believe it. And I would never do it if I didn't believe it. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It makes total sense. But just some, like, I guess sometimes things get, you spark things up or bring a different opinion to the table and people get enraged by it and then bring yep. more traffic to your site. And I wasn't sure if that was something that you did strategically. Oh, sometimes I do. I mean, sometimes I'll be strategic about it. You have to, right? Sometimes you know a good controversy is great for traffic. And it's something that I have used before on purpose. But I didn't do it on purpose because I wanted to start a fight. I did it on purpose with a bigger mission to help educate these people, knowing that it was gonna ha- a fight was going to ensue because what I was saying was disagreeing with everybody else. But it's, not, it's never really controversy for the sake of controversy. It's controversy for the sake of finding people who want to know the right way of doing things. Okay, interesting. Pricing your products and services, what would you recommend to people when they're first starting out how to work, how to, how to price things? Yeah, so, I mean, there, there's a lot that goes into pricing, and this is hard to give people a, like a fit-all solution. Mm, okay. I, I, so I, okay. I can't do that. But what I can do is I can say that you've got to look at what you're selling. You want to look at what the market is paying for that, right? Mm -hmm. And then make a strategic decision based on your market. Now, let me give an example. I asked a friend of mine. He had a really good haircut. I was like, man, you have a really nice haircut. Where'd you get it? And he just looked at me. He goes, look, I got to be honest with you. This is a nice haircut. But, (laughs) you know, it's not cheap. And I'm like, really? It's not cheap. Tell me about it. What do you mean it's not cheap? I'm like sitting here thinking to myself like, oh, I just moved to New York City. You know, I spent $40 on a haircut. Now I used to spend 10 Now I spend 40 What is this? I'm thinking in my head like $60, $70. He goes, it's not cheap. It's uh, 310 bucks. I'm like, <laughs> I was like, for a guy's haircut? $310? Are you crazy? Yeah. So naturally, I called up and I made an appointment immediately. <laughs> I wanted to know, how can a guy charge $310 for a man's haircut when everyone else is charging 40 or 15 or 10 bucks? Yeah, that's hilarious. Right? Yeah. Turns out that I went and I had, I had the best haircut of my life. It's totally worth it. So if that guy, when he was setting his prices, looked at what other people were charging, he would have charged 10, 20, 40 bucks. But he didn't do that. He knew he was, the, he was the world's best. He didn't look at his competition. He just looked at, this is my haircut. This is what it's worth. That's what I'm going to charge. So, yes, you want to look at your competitors to see what other people are paying. But that doesn't mean that they're paying for the same thing that you're selling. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, gotcha. So if you're a web designer and you do world-class work, you can't look at someone who charges $1,000 a web design. you got to look at people who do world-class work and see what they charge. You don't want to just compare yourself to anyone. Compare yourself to the right people. Then, more important, you will also want to price what you're selling about what it's worth. Like, what is it worth to your customer? How much money do they save? How much time will they save? How much money will they make? How do you improve their life? Why is your product even in existence? What are you trying to help people do? The effect of that product, how does that impact their life, and what is that worth? That's how you sell your product and pick a price. Awesome. It gives people a lot to think about, so thank you.
Look, uh, we have to work towards wrapping things up, Derek. I just wanted to to know if you have any final words or, or was there any questions that you wanted me to ask you that I haven't asked you that you'd, you'd like to share in finish, wrapping this one up? To be honest with you, I think we covered a lot on this call. We talked about marketing. We talked about selling. We talked about pricing. We talked about promoting. We talked about content marketing. We covered so much. I don't think there's anything left to say other than <laughs> if they were listening to this audio, I hope you got at least one idea that's going to allow you to continuously build your startup today, tomorrow, and for the future. And that's about it. Awesome. Well, look, man, it's been an absolute blast speaking with you. You've, you've given me so much value and oh, this, this is killer, man. So, so thank you, dude. Thank you for having me. It was fun. Hey guys, I hope you enjoyed this interview As you might already know, our mission at Founder is to help tens of millions of people every single week with our content either start or grow their business, which is exactly why we're partnering with world-class founders such as Damon John, Alexa Von Tobel, Greta Van Riel, and so many more to teach crucial skills such as negotiation, finance, e-commerce, and so much more. So if you'd like to get access to these free exclusive trainings, please go to founder.com forward slash free. These are 100%. We go super in depth on teaching a particular topic, and I know that you're going to love them if you enjoy this podcast. So just go to founder.com forward slash free. All right, guys, I'll see you in the next episode.